Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball season is heating up. Odyssey has you covered with the most entertaining coverage of your team. Stay locked in and in the know with the local voices you trust as they bring you unfiltered takes, recap games, react to the latest team news, and talk to callers. Listen to your favorite shows for free on the Odyssey app. Odyssey.com, your smart speaker, or in the car with Android Auto or Apple CarPlay. Former Congressman Chris Jacobs joining us. Uh, Chris, good morning. Good morning. Chris, you know, we've talked a lot about the uh, the gas ban, the proposed gas ban, and it, it, it seems like there is still this miscommunication out of Albany. The governor in her State of the State address mentioned it, but it seems when she's been asked at different events, there's no clear answer. So could you just give us a summary? What do we know that is in the works for natural gas in New York State? I, again, I'd mention that th- uh, thanks to you and uh, Dave Bellavia and others on this station for raising more awareness about this issue, which uh, so many people were not aware of. Uh, and I think it was somewhat by design, the way it was, the law was written, where it was passed in 2019. I was actually in the state Senate when it was passed. I voted against it because I thought it was uh, a reckless piece of legislation. And what it also did was when it was passed in 2019, it created this unelected board, uh, mostly of uh, climate activists, who uh, would be uh, uh, basically structuring how uh, the uh, energy economy would be in the state. And now, this uh, you know, suddenly about a month ago, their proposal popped, which would, uh, it, which is proposing in two years, 2025, no new homes in New York State uh, can have gas hookups, and then in 2030. Uh, no uh, existing homes uh, can have natural gas. You know, for or if they if their furnace uh, goes, they would have to replace their furnace and arguably their entire house convert it to electric, which would be a cost of thirty to fifty thousand dollars. And right now, electric runs about three times more. Uh, so uh, it, it is a huge cost. Uh, you know, ninety percent of uh, folks in our area uh, heat their homes uh, by natural gas, and uh, it's it's affordable and it's reliable. This is the other issue that they're uh, on this uh, effort to convert to fully renewable when we're so far from that reality. And when I was in the Senate in 2019, we kept asking the Democrats that voted for this, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? And they just had no answer. Uh, they just kind of blindly fall this uh, kind of climate religion, uh, and it's very dangerous and very reckless uh, to our way of life and to affordable, reliable, and safe energy. And, you know, I was just uh, reading the, the paper today, the Buffalo News, and it was very interesting. There was one small article by a, a gentleman from West Seneca, uh, and I'll just quote the first uh, paragraph. During the recent storm, 
I was without electric power for two and a half days. I am 90 years old and heated my house using four burners on my gas stove. That is how I survived, and he would not probably be alive if that, if that didn't happen. And I, I'm so surprised that Kathy Hochul and the others are continuing on this course after what we just experienced a couple years ago with the storm. Uh, this is not just an esoteric ideological argument for our area. This is life and death. And uh, I, I'm just so disappointed that uh, they seem to continue to be abiding by this. But we're gonna, we need to keep to raise awareness. And I encourage everyone to call Kathy Hochul, call your legislators, demand more uh, answers before we jump off this cliff. You know, Chris, I have to say it's interesting because I've talked to a lot of people and uh, on both sides of the political aisle who think this is an awful idea. Is there any, you know, Albany obviously controlled mostly by one party. Is there any signal that maybe this doesn't have full support on the Democrat side of the aisle that someone in Albany will put a stop to this or at least delay? Because I'm looking at 2025. I mean, once that's here, uh, the wheels are already in motion. Right. Uh, I haven't seen any indication. I mean, I saw, I think, uh, uh, WBN played clips from uh, Governor Hochul when she was in Rochester this week. Uh, She seemed to be, you know, I I think we've heard people say things uh, on the national scale, the issue of the gas stoves. And, uh, and, you know, they initiated this idea of uh, uh, eliminating gas stoves. And then when others push back, they say, well, you're, you're fear mongering. No one's coming for your stove. Yeah, that, that's semantics. What we're saying here is, if in twenty, if you try, if in twenty, or after twenty thirty, you're an existing homeowner in our area or throughout the state, and your a gas-fired furnace uh, expires and you need to get a new one, you can't get a new. You would not be able to get a new furnace, you or or a stove. You would have to convert to electric. So this is real, and um, they're they're not being transparent about the fact that they're really really doing this and uh, the other issue is they are they are uh, their goal is I believe by 2030 to have 70 percent renewable energy in our state right now we're about half that and the majority of that renewable energy is hydro and nuclear we're not going to be building any new dams that I'm aware of in New York State and we're not going to be – we don't have any new nuclear. We're actually proposing to close the nuclear. So their, their ideologues here are saying we're going to get all that new energy basically from wind and solar. That is a fool's errand. It can't be achieved, and it is unreliable. Look at how much sun we've had in the last couple of weeks here. How much solar do you think we generate here if we were uh, dependent on that? So, again, uh, this is this – is, you know, and it's kind of like a blind religion that they, they really will not look at the, the data and the facts. And I just have said this before, I think it's irresponsible governance. So I, I, I don't have an answer for you. I haven't seen much change. Uh, obviously, you know, as you said, we have one party up in Albany, but I'll, I'll, I'll drill down a little more. It's not just the Democratic Party. It's the downstate Democratic Party who uh, is now, you know, New York City dictating this. And it's a lot different in New York City when you're in a 500-square-foot apartment and you take a train to work. Uh, you know, we're here in rural communities like that I represented in, in, this, in the Congress. Uh, again, this is a big, big issue, and we just need to continue to do everything we can to push back on it, say this is unacceptable, and uh, 
reckless and dangerous and life-threatening for a place like us, which gets cold and snow many months out of the year. And, and, you know, you look at just a regular day. I mean, do we have the electric grid in New York State to take – you know, the, the, the extra stress because, okay, 2030 goes in, people will still have their gas stoves or gas furnaces. But as you said, once those things go bad, once you have to replace it, you have to completely rewire your home to have electric stove and electric furnaces. Did you ever see any evidence of talk of expanding the grid or, you know, doing something? Because as it stands right now, from the experts I've listened to, we just don't have that capacity on the electric grid in New York State. Exactly. No, there is. Uh, that's the other element of this, too, that they say we need to invest in the grid. You know, it's not simple to do that. And everything you do on those sort of things takes approval. You're, you're working in different communities. Uh, but, you know, we're throwing, uh, um, you know, we grow even with, even if we did nothing as far as where we are right now, as far as heating. Um, you know, how, you know how many more electric uh, appliances and things do you use, your phone, your iPad, et cetera? So we're increasing our electricity uses right now as is. Then uh, on top of that, we're converting pretty quickly to electric automobiles. Uh, And, you know, right now you could not have a charger on every garage on your street most likely because the grid couldn't handle that. So uh, that's the other transition we're having. And now to throw all these homes onto the grid, uh, it is, is not feasible at this point in time. So, you know, my argument is, um, you know, if I was a, as a business person, if I was in business and I was uh, going to my board of directors and we're a manufacturer, I say, look, we're going to change suppliers. Uh, it's going to be three times more for this supplier. And oh, they can't guarantee that they get me the product on a regular basis. Who would ever do that? Well, that's what the government is forcing the citizens to do at this point in time. So, um, you know, my answer is you show us, you prove to us that you have this transition done, that you can supply it and you can supply it reliably and and, um, and in an affordable manner. Then, you know, people, all things being equal, will choose the greener option. You know, we're not anti-green. And I'll tell you one thing, too. Our region is probably the most green region in the, in the state of New York. I believe about 80 percent. Of, uh, of what we have here is green because of our powerful hydro plant and the fact that we, the area I represented, has a lot of wind and solar farms now. So we're doing our part here. We're pro, you know, green energy. We just want it in a responsible way that does not make a state, uh, people that live in the state, which is one of the most expensive states to live in right now, even more expensive. And again, what we saw, what I read from that 90-year-old gentleman in West, uh, in West Seneca, make it a dangerous place for people to live in, in our climate. You know, I feel with all the talk of natural gas, you just uh, brought it up there. We've forgotten that there's also going to be a ban on uh, gas-powered cars in 2035. It seems like that's kind of taken the backseat of the spotlight because of the natural gas. But they also want, you know, if, uh, if, if your car goes bad in 2036, it's an uh, it's electric car for you. Yeah, and, you know, I just think that uh, I, I'm just generally philosophically against mandates. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I just don't know, you know, uh, you work, if you get the product that's good, the consumer, uh, all things being equal, say, we want to do right by the environment. Yeah. So, you know, we'll choose that. Uh, but to mandate it is a very condescending way to deal with the citizenry. And, uh, and you know, I've just generally been against that. Uh, look, you know, 
electric vehicles are coming. Um, you know, it's incremental, but I believe, you know, 10 years from now, we will see a significant amount of people using more electric cars. But um, I, I just, you know, make it a consumer choice. If you want to incentivize it, that's fine, too. Um, it's happening. There's no need for mandates. And uh, we just have in this state, in this, uh, in this country, but more so in this state, too many mandates, too much, uh, you know, uh, uh, pejorative government telling the citizen you have to do this. And, you know, I tell you what, that, that's why people leave the state in droves, because they, want it, they don't want to be treated like children. Chris, you know, uh, a month removed from uh, Congress. Uh, what are your thoughts on the first month of the new Congress uh, going on in D.C.? What are your general thoughts of how things are going? Well, you know, certainly it was uh, it was a kind of ugly beginning uh, with the, the 15 votes for Speaker McCarthy. And, um, you know, if I was if I was in Congress, I would have supported the speaker. Uh, and, you know, I I I said early on uh, there was really some things that were raised out of the group that was uh, was holding back on support. And uh, some some things that came out of that uh, from uh, from the speaker that I thought were good. Uh, one thing of note that I thought was really, I believe it was in the agreement, they would no longer um, they would they would require all the appropriation bills to be separate bills. They wouldn't jumble them all together into you know kind of a big ugly uh, uh, a huge omnibus piece of legislation that is just so frustrating when you have to vote on that because. There may be a really important thing like funding the military, but they glom all these other things you don't like on, and then you got to either hold your nose or vote against the bill. You know, so uh, I thought that some of those reforms. I've I've certainly always been a supporter of term limits, uh, so I think that that was good. Some of the things they were talking on that. Uh, so you know, they made it through. Uh, kudos to Kevin McCarthy for sticking uh, to that, and and his team for for. Uh, uh, getting through it. And so I think they're, they're getting their footing now. It's certainly great that we don't have one, one, uh, one uh, party controlling Washington, D.C. now. Uh, I don't know what the prospects are for a lot of legislation, but uh, at least uh, we'll rein out uh, some of this, the, uh, the reckless spending that you know, I, I experienced when, when I was down there, and which I believe has been the um, major that and in addition to reckless uh, uh, policy regarding our, our gas supply, has been the contributor to uh, to inflation, and now the contributor the Fed having to raise interest rates and punishing, you know, every American uh, by the reckless behavior of our federal government. I have to ask you, you know, Social Security came up a lot this week, um, especially in Congress. From what you've seen, what is the answer, in your opinion, to Social Security? It seems like it's, it's, it's going to run out in 10 years or no, we can sustain it. From what you've seen, what is the future of Social Security in America? Well, I think there's a commitment uh, from uh, the, the majority of, of Americans, the majority of those in Congress that Social Security is a necessity and needs to be supported, uh, but there really needs to be. Uh, th- this is really where you need a bipartisan group uh, uh, to come together and uh, really have honest discussion about where Social Security is doing, uh, where it's going forward. Uh, the fact that um, you know it, 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 it right now on paper it looks like it's, it's going bankrupt in a relatively short period of time, a decade. Uh, we need to find a way. We can't raid the fund anymore. We need to find a way 
uh, to stabilize that uh, uh, and give assurances to those that have it now and those in the future uh, that, that it will be there. So I tell you, the overarching issue, I think, uh, you know, there were several issues, you know, if I was in Congress that I, 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 I wanted really be focused on. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of them is uh, the impact of social media on our young people, uh, the threat of China. Uh, and uh, another one is the looming budget, uh, uh, the, the national debt. Uh, and this plays into Social Security. Our national debt is the highest it's ever been in our nation's history. I think it's $31 trillion at this point in time. We pay $400 billion in interest payments, and those payments are going up. Why? Because the Fed was forced to raise interest rates due to the reckless spending. And uh, that impacts everything. Uh, you know, we see it certainly in our grocery stores, but we also see it, and it's going to impact our ability to keep Social Security going. And, um, you know, I, the last time that our deficit debt was uh, close to this high as far as a, as a percentage of GDP was after World War II. We had just fought a war. We spent a heck of a lot of money to, to save freedom and democracy around the, the world. Uh, but the difference there was after the war, on a bipartisan basis, members of Congress came together and the president said, this is not good for the future of our nation, for our, our next generation. And they quickly brought that that deficit down, that debt down. We are doing the exact opposite, and uh, that is something that we really need as again responsible governing people to leave a country better for the next generation. We will not be doing that, and this impacts everything from Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, everything, uh, because the more and more of our, if, if more and more of our our annual budget is uh, going to pay interest payments on our debt. These problems we're talking about now are only going to get worse. Chris, last question. One month removed from Congress. We're hearing your name floated around for different offices. What is next for Chris Jacobs? Well, you know, it was a great honor to serve in the Congress and uh, prior to that in the state Senate and county government. I loved my uh, years of public service. And uh, I, you know, I always want to uh, give back to this community and serve. Right now, I'm going to be doing it as a private individual, and I uh, is a business person and, and running a, a, a school choice nonprofit called the Bison Fund here. Uh, so I always will look at opportunities to serve, and that would include elected office. Uh, I, I've said that it's highly unlikely I would do something uh, in the near term in the next year, uh, but uh, I would never say uh, it's out of the question in the future. Hey, Chris Jacobs, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you very much. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.